Hello, and welcome to Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer, not just for Louisiana, but for the entire Northern Gulf Coast. And now, introducing your host, Alan DeRitter. All right, and welcome to another issue of Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer. I am Coach Alan Deretter. I'm the head soccer coach at De La Salle, and I'm the director of coaching at PAC and Soccer Innovations of America. And again, we welcome you to our show. We always start off with a prayer, and uh, I think that's what's kept us on the on the air for really as long as we have been. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Dear God, thanks for letting us be on the show. I thank you for our producer, Andrew. Thank you for our good equipment. I thank you for the support that we have statewide and really Gulf Coast-wide with this show. It's grown in leaps and bounds, and especially in this new format. Thank you for blessing us with this, and I pray that we'll continue to be able to really have one place where everybody can find all the information they they need about soccer. In Christ's name we pray, amen. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, I've been coaching for 37 years, all right? And I'm starting to feel those 37 years now as I'm turning the corner and heading for home, like Ken Trahan says a lot. Uh, the number one issue year in, year out on our show, on the playgrounds, is the six-player rule. Okay, so we had Doug Hamilton on the last show, uh, who was the president of the Louisiana High School Soccer Coaches Association. He did a great job when it came to whether or not the six-player rule applies to directors of coaching. He was kind of like, well, I don't know. And so we decided to get in touch with uh, the executive, the, the LHSAA assistant executive director, Miss Fallen Buckner, and see if she could put her finger on it and, uh, and other rules that really, that, that are pertinent to this time of year. And she responded. And she came on the air. We've never had somebody from the LHSAA on the air. She's very, very approachable. Um, she listens. Uh, she investigates. She thinks before she talks. And she enforces the rules with the spirit of them in mind. And that's really a refreshing change. And if you've been keeping up with the LHSAA this year, they have definitely been tightening up their grip on all sports, okay, uh, from – looking to see whether or not a school is um, misrepresenting themselves at camps, um, at, at playgrounds, uh, whether or not their coaches are registered and fully tested. Uh, and I think that's a good thing because everybody really should be doing what they're supposed to be doing and, and really not bending the rules or trying to get around them. Okay? Um, so we promise you uh, on this show, we're going to try to change that here. We put her on the spot, and her interview will be next on Monday Night Football. We'll see you after the break. It's no ordinary sports show. Candid conversation. We've got it all. Must have guests. Significant Louisiana sports figures. Serious knowledge. Post-game breakdowns, trivia, historical flashbacks, and my editorials. That'll make even the most diehard sports fans go wow. From the one guy who's always in the zone. It's what happens when you've been around Louisiana sports this long. 
The WGNO Sports Zone, Wednesdays at 1015. You can advertise your business for as little as $50. Contact us to see our rates and get your business in front of the Gulf Coast soccer community. Follow us on Twitter at MNFUTBOL, as well as Facebook, or call us at 504-577-3131. Welcome back to Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer in Louisiana and the Gulf Coast. Well, we promised you this interview, and without any further ado, here she is, the Assistant Executive Director of the LHSAA, Coach Fallon Buckner. All right. Hello. Welcome to Monday Night Football. And uh, we're here with Coach Buckner, and uh, we, we have been looking forward to this interview for quite a while. Welcome to the show, Coach. Oh, thank you. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Doing fine. Okay, well, let's cut right to the chase. Uh, um, a lot of people are looking forward to the show. There's been a lot of confusion for the longest time as to uh, what do we do between the months of August and October. And uh, and uh, we're looking forward to hearing finally from you what we should do. First of all, I want to thank you for coming on the show because of the fact that uh, we never really had anybody from LHSA uh, direct us um, personally, and we really, really appreciate it. All the coaches do uh, your service to us, and uh, and you being on the show. Oh, no problem. Um, this past season, 2017-18, um, was my first, and um, it was, I believe, a successful one. Um, most people don't know, um, but they probably do now. I'm a lover of soccer. It's uh, it's kind of one of my favorite sports. So. Um, you know, this job this year and, and I think going into uh, next season um, is simple. It's easy because it's not work. It's kind of like our coaches. They don't see it as an additional job or something that's taxing because it's something that they enjoy doing. So um, this is something that I enjoy doing. I enjoy people. Um, I enjoy communication. And just so, you know, people know the Louisiana High School Athletic Association, we are, um, you know, we are a service. And so that's what I'm here for. And I, I'm continuing to um, strive to build those relationships and just uh, let the coaches know that I am available for them um, when they need it. And that's the one thing that's been impressive to all of us is that whenever I've reached out to you or any of the coaches have, you respond to us right away. And like, uh, and you know, uh, that is odd <laughs> for us in soccer. And so we appreciate it. Okay, uh, not a problem. Okay, so let's let's get to what you. Yeah, want let's to let's go. Let's go. Let's let's get to the six uh, player rule. Okay, um, officially, what can we do and what can we not do? Okay, so as defined in our sports season section of our handbook, and that's in 4.2, and I encourage all coaches uh, to familiarize yourself um, with our bylaws. Um, you know, we don't want to get in a position where we are, um, you know, begging for forgiveness. So uh, with bylaw 4.2.7 is the bylaw that kind of um, – governs the independent team rule and it reads if a majority of the team members of the same school participate on an independent team the team cannot be coached by a faculty member or a non-faculty coach of that school a coach may coach an independent team during the out of season period if the team consists of no more than the following number of team members from the same school and then four is soccer so that's six so 
team members who are members on the same team, um, either a boys team, six players if you're the boys coach, or six players if you're the girls coach, if they are registered members of the LHSAA. So if they play on your freshman or JV or varsity team or any of a combination, um, you cannot exceed six players on that team during the out-of-season period if you plan on coaching an independent team. Okay, and uh, and just to be clear, uh, that does matter if you're coaching six boys and then you go around and you coach six girls, right? That, that would be a violation of the rule, correct? I, I, think, I think to kind of clarify that, what it states is that a team, it consists of a team. So unless you're a school that has a co-ed team, a girls and a boys team, which if you have a co-ed team that is a girls and a boys team, and we do have a few of those around the state. They are a few, but they, we do have them. That consists of that team. That means that, that that's going to be on their LHSAA roster, um, and those kids are participating on that team, and they do identify um, as a boys team. Then you could not have more than six players from that team. So if you have a boys team, a coach, a faculty coach, um, or a faculty member of that school or a non-faculty member cannot coach those six boys. Um, same thing with the girls. That faculty member cannot coach those six girls or not, not coach those six girls more than six because your number that you can coach is six. Okay, so let's say I'm the head coach uh, of a of a high school, and I coach the boys and the girls. So I make I make a couple of teams up, okay, for for the club, um, and I'm going to decide to coach uh, the U19 girls team and the U19 boys team that only has six of my high school players on it. Am I legal then? Because that's twelve players. Um. Based upon the interpretation of the rules, and we can always get clarification from um, our executive director, um, that is legal. I mean, is how often does it happen that the boys coach is also the girls coach with independent teams? How often do you all see that? No, we don't, but I definitely see um, people who have freshmen a freshman team, a JV team, and a varsity team. I, I know how coaches think, and uh, and so right now, from what you just said, uh, you know, I would just probably make three teams, make sure I get some kids from some uh, other high schools, and then I can take the core of my JV, my junior high, and my varsity teams, coach three teams, and teach them our system, and then uh, that would save me a lot of time in in the fall. But remember, at six players, it, it, the level of play. Um, is not what's in question. It's those kids that attend your school. So if you have a freshman, a JV, and a varsity team, and they are registered and they are a level of play, they are on that team. So any combination of, so you can't take six players from your boys JV, six players from your boys varsity, six players from your, um, your, and, uh, sorry, your ninth grade, your freshman team, and combine them and think that's six, six, and six. No, it would have to be, you would have to, be able to coach your six players and that's all you're allowed if you want to get some assist um some assistant coaches and you have other teams and you have other coaches uh coach those teams then you can do that i mean if you have the one thing that i would i would tell any coach if you have to question am i allowed to do this give us a call um, so we can clarify, because there are those hypothetical situations where coaches are wondering, okay, is this allowable? And if it's allowable, or if you have to question whether it's 
um, allowable or not, if you would just give us a call, we can definitely clarify it, um, you know, just by talking it out, um, running it by some other executive directors in the office and just seeing if these situations have ever heard, occurred in the past, because history's past can help us determine how to uh, best give you the suitable outcome for what you should do in the future. Okay. Um, now, directors of coaching, what can they do? Okay. Can you explain to me the role of a director of coaching? Okay. Uh, I am one. And, uh, and so, like, I have five teams, uh, and I have kids from all, all over the place, okay? Kids who are underage, uh, not in high school, and kids who are in high school. And um, um, I make sure personally that I have only interaction with six of my, my players from De La Salle. Because uh, I've I've always interpreted the rule that way, but a lot of the DOCs interpreted that okay. Well, if I have those five teams in a tournament and I'm watching that tournament, I can go and give them some advice either on on field or after the game is over, uh, and uh, and I'm not breaking LHSAA rules. Okay, uh, I can maybe coach six kids directly, but as a DOC, I can really coach all of them indirectly as long as I'm not on the sideline coaching the game. Okay, and uh, so that's what that is is what's going on. Uh, what do you say about that? Um, I would say just keeping in line with Rule Four Point Two Point Seven with regard to the six player rule. If that director of coaching is the coach of that team and that team only consists of six players um, from his roster, or and he is the actual coach of that team, then he is not in violation. But if he is going to be the coach of this team that has six of his players, and then he's the coach of another team that also has six of his players, and then he's the coach of another team that has six of his players, that's in violation of the majority of an independent team rule. Yes. So, again, you can have an independent team, but you are only allowed to coach no more than six of your own players from your school. Yes, but so what the coaches do is they get their junior high coach and their JV coach to coach uh, a couple of those teams, and they put six of their players. Well, actually, when it came to junior high, uh, I know a few schools that have their entire junior high team together, and they have their junior high coach coaching them, and then they're watching the game, and then they can tell their coach what to tell them. But then after it's over, they get under an oak tree, and he explains to them everything they should have done in not done okay uh is that coaching violation or not i don't i don't i can't get into um what governs junior high because unless they're no, I mean, they, a member school yeah, no but if they're a ninth grade team that are are uh listed in the eligibility roster well what i can tell you is that with regard to um the situation that you just described um if you have some sort of blog that we can respond to with regard to that, because that's a pretty lengthy um, scenario. And so that that is something that I would like to run by the executive director. If a coach, and if, can you explain that scenario to me one more time? Yeah. And, uh, and of course, you're always welcome to get on the blog at laprepsoccer.net. Okay. You know, okay. That's the yeah, best just place to be to able, go. Just to be, uh, yeah, just to be able to kind of clarify that point. Um, you know, I want to make sure that what we're giving out to our state's coaches is clear, consistent, and concise information so that we can make sure that everybody understands um, their parameters and what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. So, again, that situation is pretty um, extensive as far as 
um, the moving parts that kind of go in with, with what you just described. And so I would have to really just sit down and describe that situation to the executive director and some of the other staff members in the office and see, um, you know, if that is a violation or is not a violation, um, you know, just kind of just easier scenarios with something like basketball. You have an AAU basketball coach who may be coaching majority of their team members and they're only allowed three. Well, they're not going to have, you know, they're, they're going to have that one basketball team with those three players and they may have, you know, other teams, but they're not in a program system and or league. It's just this one team. I, I understand that I'm only allowed to coach three of my players and I move on from that. Um, you know, so I think the rule in itself is really not um, as confusing as it as it may appear to be. You get if you're an independent team coach, you are allowed to coach six players from your school. If you have any questions beyond that, um, because at your facility and or at your games or and at your tournaments that you are coaching or you're the director of coaching of, you have more than that number that appear. Um, at that particular tournament and or facility um, or whatever makeup of, if you have those questions and you feel like you may be in violation and we can clarify it, we need to know. Okay. And I think y'all do because what I've described to you is what's been going on for 30 years or, or more. Okay. And, uh, and uh, these people don't, they're not trying to break the rules there as a director of coaching. You really have to be in charge of all of your teams. And you, uh, and right. if, if you're really a good one and, uh, and of course you could just coach your coach, uh, which right. is, which is good. But, um, but it's, it's almost impossible to not run into your own players. You have a relationship with them and you go to the water fountain or whatever, and they'll ask you, you know, what could I have done better? And then you start coaching them. Uh, to me, that's coaching. I mean, isn't, isn't that coaching to you? I mean, I, I can't teeter totter the line with that. Like I said, that's kind of, you know, that's me, an opinion. And so, like I said, to give you a factual, factual, definite, you know, answer, you know, that's something that I would prefer to have a further discussion with just because, you know, I, I don't think I can make a clear determination. I'm only allowed to make a clear determination on the rules that are written. So if our rules don't address a coach being able to have a conversation with a player at a water fountain, um, it's kind of hard for me to make a statement that says that a coach is in violation or not without having a conversation with other colleagues to discuss you know, kind of what's happened in past, um, past years. Okay. And look, I, I didn't mean to sound rude or whatever. It's just, uh, as coaches, we've been having this fight for decades and, and, uh, and it looks like n nothing personal to you. You're just new on the job. One year is not that long, but it seems Correct. to me that, that, that the rule is, is extremely vague. Okay, well, just so you all know the um, how our rules work and how our bylaws work, our bylaws are um, authored, and there is a process. They are authored um, by our school's principals, and um, all rules can, there, are, there is a rules proposal amendment process. Um, we do have those paperwork in our offices. Your school principals do have access um, to those documents. And um, if you feel that a rule can be improved um, in any way, shape or form, um, I would suggest that you get with your school's principal and discuss how to better improve that 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 uh, uh, that rule. Excuse me. There are some pros and cons. Uh, 
that should be cited for all of those rules so that, you know, everyone can understand that when we make and or violate sorry, vote on a rules change or a bylaws change. And um, we have to understand the uh, repercussions that may come with that, if any. Um, so it does allow for you to, um, you know, maybe amend a rule or add a rule. And um, those rules can be um, voted on by the state's principals. Um, you can also, we had a advisory committee meeting and, you know, what we discussed was things that we feel would make um, the Louisiana soccer community um, better, um, a better system for our kids, how to grow our kids, how to grow the sport in our state and um, things that work best for the coaches. Because what we have to remember, and I'm not too far removed from coaching myself, is that, um, you know, you are the experts in how um, the operation of Louisiana high school soccer soccer works. You are a community. You are colleagues. So um, we have those moments and those times where we can come together and sit down and, and, and have a chat about what we think works and what we think doesn't work. And as colleagues, we can respectfully, you know, agree to disagree and or and that's how you make change. Um, you know, so yes, that's my that's my suggestion um, for anyone who feels that, you know, a rule can be improved um, or something can be added. Um, something can be taken away. Um, it's just there. There is a process, and we do have a process, and it's a clear-cut process, and it's one that um, we all understand and support. So, if and I support you also, if if there's something that you want to discuss, or if you say, you know, um, Fallon, hey, what do you think about this? And you know, it's something we can definitely have conversation about, and then I can tell you the process in which you would need to take um, to move forward. And I, and we deeply appreciate that. I mean, I, I, I would think that almost every coach is listening to this show right now from Shreveport to uh, Boothville. And, uh, and so I appreciate you being on, on the show. Um, I've authored, I was the f person who authored the very first wild card amendment. And, uh, and the thing that discourages a lot of coaches from making changes or making clarifications is that, okay, if we were supposed to, if we would make one right now, it would it would take until the next calendar year, you know, sports season for it to be implemented for good reason, and so uh, uh, and you have to get your principal to submit it. A lot of our principals hate soccer, and uh, and they tolerate it in their schools, and they're definitely not going to go to the LHSAA to submit a proposal. It's a very hostile relationship. I, I coach football to make sure that um, that the school. Um, um, what is it? I'm trying to find the right word, and I'm a radio host. Uh, benefits from soccer, okay? And uh, so I was coaching kickers last night, and uh, and so uh, I keep the peace where I'm at, but a lot of coaches can't do that. So they get discouraged, and they don't write the, write the rules. So um, And so then, therefore, all the rules get bent. So uh, that that is the reason why. I know the pr procedure's there, but there's a lot of people who are discouraged to do it. And so... Oh. Well, I mean, what I would say to that is, um, you know, keep pressing. I would say, you know, don't don't become discouraged and um, continue to build those relationships. Um, relationships, they're they're there. They're meant to be, uh, you know, they're they're meant to grow. Um, they're meant to foster. Um, you know, again, everyone has their own, you know, personal preferences with regard to sport. Um, I I think that sometimes we we may feel um, a specific way. And I can't say how someone feels about a sport. Um, I won't comment to that. Um, however, I do know that 
interscholastic activity, our principals, um, you know, they, they really support those activities and um, they understand that. So if it's for our students and it's for the, the betterment of our athletes in the state of Louisiana, I feel like you can gain those supports. Um, I just say that you just as, as a coach, um, you know, it's and as a colleague, it's it's our job just to kind of continue and grow those those relationships. And, um, you know, how you do that. I mean, that's that's what that's one thing that you as a person individually would have to figure out um, how to grow those relationships. But, you know, me personally, again, um, you all know when I sit up, submit out correspondences, um, I always wish you good day. Um, I always wish you well. I always um, inform you and let you know that I'm available to you. Um, you know, the coaches, when I submit an email and I, I put my signature at the bottom, it includes the cell phone number, the email address. Um, you know, I, I make it best practice to answer um, as soon as possible. And if I'm either on the road and, and I can't answer to it, I'll even you know, sometimes pull over to the side and say, hey, I'm in route, I'm driving. But as soon as I get to a place where I'm settled, um, I will definitely answer your concern. So I think um, we make it in our office best practices um, to try to build those relationships with our state's coaches. Um, so I would I would encourage our state's coaches to do the same um, with their administration. And, you know, hopefully, you know, things in your in your opinion on, on how they may feel about it um, can can definitely change. So, I mean, I would I would steer away from, um, you know, trying to focus. I'm a, I'm a fixer, so to speak. So, yeah. you know, I don't don't necessarily always continue to um, try to focus and or harp on the negative. But, um, you know, moving forward, figure out, OK, what avenue can I take to make these relationships better? If I can't go through the front door, hey, let's go through the back door. If we can't go through the back door, let's go through the doggy door um, for lack of a better <laughs> a better um you know, it's the same thing with coaching kids. You know, you, you can't coach all kids the same way. Um, you know, some you can be direct, some you have to be indirect, some you have to pat on the shoulder, you know, some some you have to, you know, get in their faces. So, I mean, it's all about the approach. And so you just have to continue to approach the situation until you get the resolve that in the, the response that you desire. And this interview is proof that everything you just said is true. You're very, very approachable and reachable. And uh, I usually get responses from you within seconds. So uh, I appreciate you uh, not risking yourself texting and driving and pulling your, a car on the side of the road. But I've always had I've always had communication with you. And and uh, quite frankly, that's not been our experience uh, for a long time. So thank you for that. Do you have Do you have any? Uh, let's go to the just general soccer now. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's talk about some. Yeah, let's talk about some <laughs> some eighteen nineteen stuff that's going on. Okay, so okay, good. Um, there are some common violations and misunderstood rules that I kind of want the coaches to kind of be aware of. Uh, first and foremost, um, I would like for all of the state's coaches, if you have not, um, please visit section 18 of our NFHS, hand, not NFHS, our LHSAA handbook. Uh, I'm correcting myself. Um, it is 18.1, and there are some important dates that are listed there. So what I would do is, um, you know, just highlight those important dates, the deadline for submitting schedules online, um, when you're allowed to play your first contest, um, the end of the regular season, just note, um, the, it's usually parents who are going to call and say, you know, hey, when's the end of the regular season playoffs yeah. uh, by district, just because they want to know how to schedule their time because they want to be able to uh, support their kids. 
Um, and so I would just look at the general information and the contest limits. So please familiarize yourself. And look, our coaches who have been around for a long time, they, they all are very familiar with Section 18. Um, but we do have uh, new coaches that are coming in. And so uh, for, those new, for those new coaches, we want to make sure um, that they understand that do, we do have a section in our handbook and um, they need to familiarize themselves with that. We do have a coaches rules clinic um, for soccer. It is online. It is totally online. Um, that rules clinic will open up on September 17th and it will close on October 14th. Um, this is an annual um, clinic. So we do take this annually. There is a, for new coaches, there is a LHSAA rules handbook clinic that has to be taken. Um, and that's taken by older coaches every three years. But for if you're a new coach coming in this year, um, you'll first want to take the online rules uh, clinic and then they'll give you some time to take the LHSAA handbook clinic. And if you're coaching, you haven't taken it in three years and you'll have to take the LHSAA handbook clinic again and the online rules clinic. It is mandatory for all head coaches. Um, it is an annual thing and ours is completely online. What I'm excited about this year is we're currently working on the rules clinic and I, it's been this for, for years. It's been this PowerPoint uh, with this talking voice and um, it's not the most interesting thing. What I do like is the NFHS, um, the director of soccer at the NFHS, Ms. Teresa Wins, she is um, – She's pioneering a lot of things and she's using soccer as a platform. So um, this year's uh, rules clinic and, and we're working with our director of technology to kind of piece it all together. Um, it's almost it's a video format um, and it takes on more of like a news type of report. And it's it's very interesting. Um, it's it's very interactive. Um, so I, I think the coaches would enjoy it. And it also um, gives great visuals for, the, for us to understand exactly what rules have been changed, uh, what points of emphasis they're making, what rules have been revised, what rules have been added. So um, be on the lookout for that. Um, We're working on that to, to put that in place. In addition to um, common misunderstood rules violations, reporting weekly contests, that's rule 6.12.2. Um, this year that has been changed to the home, it is the home team's responsibility, despite the outcome, to report the contest rules, I mean, um, results. So win or lose, it is the home team's responsibility to um, report that contest. And you can find the guidelines for that in rule 6.12. 12.2. Okay, so those contests have to be reported um, by a certain time. If you have a dispute um, with the contest results, and, and most of our disputes are there, no one has huge disputes. Our disputes are uh, the score was 5-6, the score was 4-8, um, or the score has been inverted. Um, those disputes, you just click the dispute button. Um, if you explain the dispute, um, I can change it. I'm the only person who can make the the changes for any disputes. Uh, forfeitures of contests, you cannot um, input a forfeiture contest. That is that is accesses that I will have because I have to look at the um, the reasons why the forfeiture occurred. What's also changed this year with regard to forfeits is that. Um, it used to be that the forfeiting team would initiate the forfeiture paperwork to submit to our office this year. If you are the team that is receiving the forfeit, um, you would uh, be the team that 
initiates that paperwork um, so that we can at least get it started and make contact with the opposing school. However, I hope that we don't have too many of those. We didn't have a lot of forfeits last year. So um, we were able to resolve a, a lot of the issues if we had scheduling conflicts um, amongst our colleagues, which is great. Um, let's see, there is a- uh, Yeah, and I appreciate that because I experienced that with you personally. And you know, the, the rules, it can be interpreted black and white, but that's that's enforcing rules without a heart. And uh, there's always right. extenuating <laughs> circumstances, and you have a big heart, and I really appreciate right. that. Well, again, it, it's just I I, I I would I love to say that I have a big heart, but just then and just understanding rationale and understanding people, um, I understand that things happen, and I think sometimes you have to within within reason. You know, I think if people are being genuine, um, I think that sometimes, you know, you have to be understanding of that because, you know, there's going to be there. There are courtesies that we have to extend to one another, you know, if they're within reason. So um, it is my plan um, to post the list moving forward. Sorry, it is my plan to post the list that, that's provided by the National Federation of High School um, on the LHSAA website for coaches and parents to reference with regards to um, those tournaments that, you know, um, those U.S. U.S. soccer uh, camps and tournaments, because I received a lot of calls last year. Um, you know, my, my kid, can my kid participate in this particular uh, tournament? If you go to rule 4.2.9, always direct your coaches and parents to rule 4.2.9, and that outlines other legal participation and rules uh, six and seven those govern um, soccer. Um, I also would like to clarify um, just kind of how we operate with regard to season. I've been getting a lot of uh, emails um, with regard to how many games do we have to play. So just so you know, um, you are allowed two preseason scrimmages and that's at any level. Um, most soccer programs um, may participate in one scrimmage just to kind of get themselves started. Um, there is a 15 uh, game minimum. So if you want to know how many contests you must participate in in order to be to be seated on the bracket in that order by those 15 game minimums um that is rule 18.6.3 um just so you know that's the 15 game minimum um there is a uniform consistency uh rule that has changed um by nfhs the high school soccer teams are now um reversing their home and visiting uniforms for this upcoming season the home team will wear dark jerseys and socks and the visiting team will wear solid jerseys, uh, solid white jerseys and solid white socks for this upcoming season. So um, this rule was done to allow for the home teams to be able to wear their their, their colors. And, uh, you know, so that's that that you'll see that in that rules, that online rules clinic. Um, if you have any questions about uniforms and uniform consistency, please reach out to me. OK. Um, can I ask you a question about one of those two? Sure. Okay. One sure. one one of the um one of the frustrations for the coaches is let's say uh, you're really serious about developing a program, and so you play your limit of games. You know, four tournaments and uh, you know way over fifteen games, and and then it comes down to the power rankings coming in, and then you're five five one hundredths of a point under a team that just played five games, you know, in their district and they get in because they get in because they're on the bottom of the bracket. They can't be in the, in the, uh, you know, seated high, but they get to go to the playoffs. Do you think that rule is ever going to change? Uh, no, well, actually, um, 
how the how the rule um, currently reads is the the rule currently reads on eighteen point six point three. It says that schools that fail to play at least fifteen games during the regular season, including district play and invitational tournament play, shall be ranked separately using the same ranking system used to rank schools that play at least 15 games or more. So we'll rank the ones that play the 15 games or more. We'll see the bracket. If the bracket is full, then, um, then that's that bracket is full. So at this point with the interpretation of the rule, it is mandatory. It is highly requested that, this year and moving forward that you play that minimum 15 games because if you don't according to rule 18.6.3 um you can't you sh you will not make the bracket because you'll be ranked separately so you'll have um now we have a 24 seed bracket so the top 24 uh teams will be seated meeting that 15 game minimum and then after that if there's room left on the bracket you'll be placed at the bottom yeah, and and our experience is that there's always been room in the bracket, and and these teams can squeak in. What with the majority of the coaches that I talk to really want is is a rule that says if you don't play 15 games, you just cannot go into the playoffs. You know, and that and and that was discussed at our advisory committee meeting. Um, we do have some things that that were highlighted. Um, that we talked about with the coaches, and again, it's that it's that process, and it's discussing that process. Um you know, with the principles and, and, you know, I'm, I'm on those. I'm like, you know, those, the, those powers that be. Um, so I think there are some things in the works to, um, kind of clarify that. Um, you know, but I, I think that, um, potentially there are some, some other things that, you know, coaches may be proposing. So I think there are definitely some proposals that will be coming down the pipeline. Um, and, I'm going to assume that they are going to deal with some of the things that we discussed at that advisory meeting. So I think the the, the rules in section 18 are, are only going to be added to make the sport better and or um, clarify some rules that may offer some ambiguity. Okay. Um, um, well, I, I wanted to ask you this question too. Do you think we're coming to a point where we're going to have to have headgear? Mandatory. Uh, well, mandatory, I, I think that day may be coming um, just in, I think just in discussing it um, at the National Federation of High Schools Convention, um, it's, it's on the forefront. So it is a topic of discussion. The research is um, being done right now with regard to um, the benefits of headgear. Obviously, many of the questions and concerns were how will it affect play? Um, you know, how will it affect, uh, you know, a kid's ability to possibly head the ball or or whatever, just, you know, their skills and everything else like that. And I don't think they've found any impediments. Um, but right now there is a huge push on safety and um, with concussions being so prevalent, um, you know, especially in soccer. Yeah. Um, I do think that there is um, a push for it. So I 
it's just based upon the conversations. There is nothing that is set in stone, but every correspondence that um, I do receive from the National Federation, um, I will forward on to the coaches just to kind of keep you all aware of what's going on in your sport around the country and what decisions they may be making um, at the national level. So uh, again, it, it was just a topic of discussion. Um, there was um, a doctor from the university who was conducting the research um, at the national conference and he was discussing um, the those concussions. So, you know, what I would say just to keep our students safe, our players safe is, you know, obviously teach them fair play, um, you know, teach them how to play safely. Um, you know, we, we obviously soccer is a, a, an aggressive sport. So, you know, injuries are going to occur. That's going to be inevitable. But um, if we can, you know, teach them uh, game management and control um, to limit uh, concussions, you know, um, maybe they'll begin to have different discussions. But as of now, with the uh, recurrence of the amount of concussions, uh, that headgear is definitely um, pressing and on the forefront. Okay, we're kind of running out of time. Is there anything else yep. you want to tell the coaches? Um, my email address is fbuckner at lhsaa.org. I am looking forward to uh, a wonderful season. Um, I want you all to uh, to just know that you can submit your schedules online now. It is open for you and available to do so. If you have an issue, please feel free to email me. Do not hesitate um, to reach out. Do not feel like you cannot um, ask questions. Um, I will avail myself to you. And um, I want to encourage once we get to those playoffs and and that state championship, I would love to see um, our state's coaches come out and support those coaches and those teams that um, do make it there. So I wish everybody the best of luck this season. And uh, if you all need anything, just know that I'm here to assist. I really, really deeply appreciate that. And um, I guess we'll be contacting you um, soon to see what the what uh, the president um, has to say about that direct our coaching stuff that we were talking about earlier. I'm sorry for pushing the issue. It's just, it's been a frustrating issue for us for forever. And, uh, and I appreciate the fact that now we're going to have somebody uh, roll up their sleeves and try to get some consistency with it. And, and I uh, thank you for being on the show today too. And, and I wish you and your family the best. Oh, thank you very much. Y'all have a great evening. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello, this is Coach Alan DeRitter, and I want to invite all of you to take a closer look at De La Salle High School in New Orleans. De La Salle is a dynamic, inclusive community committed to academic excellence by evidence with our classrooms of the future, and of course, our commitment to athletics is second to none. Come take a look at DeLaSalleNOLA.com and schedule your spend a day today. That's DeLaSalleNOLA.com. Welcome back to Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer in Louisiana and the Gulf Coast. Well, I told you she was acceptable. I hope she didn't think I was too pushy. Uh, she promises that she will talk to Executive Director of the LHSAA, Eddie Bonine, to find out what is the official stance of the LHSAA on the DOCs and their involvement on their players. And I take her at her word for that. Maybe we'll have her on the show next week. Maybe we can have Mr. Bonine on the show Anyhow, most of us look the other way uh, when it comes to the six-player rule, um, especially dealing with junior high teams. My argument about that is 
is that the exact opposite should be true. Once the players learn what the system is, uh, then all the coach has to do at the varsity level is refine it. So really what you do at the junior high level is is vital and uh, and gives you a distinct advantage. Um, so, for example, all you people without a freshman or junior high teams, uh, I bet you fall short in the playoffs every year. Look at the teams that made it into the playoffs, and I bet you they, they, they put a lot of their time in the junior high programs, okay? Well, one thing that maybe help you with that is I'm trying to resurrect the junior high league. Uh, I have a link on it in LA Prep Soccer. I used to run an extensive, uh, at least Southeast Louisiana junior high league before Katrina, and I tried to do it a little bit after. Uh, but I, I really had my hands full trying to build the Shaw program and then now building the De La Salle program. Now that the De La Salle program is pretty much established, I can put my attention now to the Junior High League. Okay, there is a link for it on LA Prep Soccer. Or, of course, you could just get in touch with me. And, uh, and we're going to try to have a scheduling meeting where everybody come to De La Salle and bring our calendars and just uh, schedule all the games at one time. There's still two very good Junior High tournaments that are out there at St. Paul's. And if we get enough teams, we could go back to the format where the top four teams play a semifinal and a final. It was a lot of fun. And uh, so go to laprepsoccer.net if you are interested in the junior high developmental league. Okay, uh, being that we have this airtime, uh, I wanted to also uh, get on a soapbox about PAC. Um, PAC has been around since the beginning of soccer in New Orleans. It was PAC and Willowwood, and it would be a shame for it to end. They have brought me along in order to try and save it. Um, I moved to Algiers in order to raise my children at St. Andrew the Apostle and also to play at PAC. Well, we're rebuilding it to resemble the wholesome environment that existed before moving from Aurora to English Turn, and we can't undo that move. But we can run a soccer club on the West Bank in conjunction with Soccer Innovations of America, which has been on the West Bank since 2004, and hopefully create a united West Bank where all can benefit. I would really like to see all the soccer players on the West Bank united. Okay, uh, that right now is not the case. And are whittling the talent down with multiple clubs. Just, we can go on forever how bad that is, okay? And uh, that's why the Louisiana Fire did exist on the East Bank. And uh, the West Bank is a little different. Those of you who live on the West Bank understand that. Anyhow, if you're interested in registering for PAC, uh, registration is still going on now. We're not starting the season until after Labor Day. You can find the registration link on PAC's Facebook page at P-A-C-N-O-L-A, that's at P-A-C-N-O-L-A to get going. We will start our organized plays, uh, play, play for all these teams after Labor Day. And again, uh, if you wanted to register, you got to find us on Facebook. It's P-A-C-N-O-L-A, P-A-C-N-O-L-A to register. And of course, if you go to our Soccer Innovations page, that's at West Bank Elite. That's at West Bank Elite. We still have some spots available for U6, U8, U10, U13, U15, and U18 teams. So um, um, after Labor Day, we're going to pretty much set the rosters and get going scheduling tournaments and games. Well, that'll do it for this week's show. We promise to have an answer for the DLC question next week. 
And also, we want to know what you want to hear on the show. Ask us your questions or make a suggestion by either following us on MNFUTBOL, like us on Facebook at MNFUTBOL, or just make your suggestion on the LAPrepsoccer.net blog. Well, we wish the best for you and your family, and especially God's blessings upon them. And like we always say, carpe diem in Christ, uh, and let's keep soccer rolling in Louisiana and the Gulf Coast. This is Coach Alan DeRitter uh, thanking my producer, Andrew DeRitter, and wishing all of you the best. God bless you.